Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Christian Bale acts with his teeth in this movie and I can't explain what that means but I swear he just does things with his mouth that's just like that's not how he normally uses his mouth I would have liked to see him play Batman as this personality I would have, I would have been down for that I agree with you I think Batman would be way more interesting as a motherfucking crackhead where do you sit on, well, anything we've crack. talked Where do you about? Sit on crack, Al. Crack, Al. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Al's hot crack take coming right <laughs> up. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flixwatch Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sadia. Hi. Al. Hi. And Helen. Woo. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the fighter. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Sadia and Elle. Over to you, please, Elle, to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Well, I am a screenwriter. I'm a journalist. I write for Empire, uh, The Guardian and a couple of other places. I also host a podcast called Script Apart, which is a podcast about the first draft secrets of great movies and TV shows in which brilliant screenwriters come on and they revisit their first drafts of what became amazing movies. So hold on there. I didn't know you're a screenwriter. Oh, yeah. Drink to your bow from last time you came on. And is that, is that on your Twitter as well? Let me check. Tell me about this. <laughs> yeah, well, basically the show started as a thinly veiled way of me getting one-on-one tutorials from the best in the game. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Very cynical. I know. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin is not up for just hanging out with me on Zoom to tell me where I'm going wrong, just the two of us. But in front of a large audience of, of listeners, he's down. So um, I kind of got into, I kind of devised the show, I suppose, as a bit of a helping hand with my own writing. And I wasn't really calling myself a screenwriter at the time because A, I hadn't sold anything and B, I felt like a complete fraud. 
but yeah, now that you know, a couple of years have passed since my last Flix Watcher appearance, and you know, a couple of couple of projects are moving. Like I'm a little bit more at home with the phrase. Yeah, I feel less of a fraud saying it. It's not your Twitter. I've checked. Oh, it's not Twitter official yet. Okay. <laughs> If there's any writer's rooms I can get in on, Al, I'm a budding writer. Oh, the voice will get you in just alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we're recording this, the WGA strikes are going on in the US, which does have an impact on not just US, but a lot of things happening in the UK and stuff like that. But hopefully you're not being too affected by it in terms of the stuff that's moving, Al. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. I'm not sure when this is going out, but all this week I've been writing a piece for Empire talking to people on the ground there and trying to work out sort of what's going on how long is it going to last for which is you know how long's a piece of string at this point and yeah just getting a sense of what's being fought for and it, yeah it's a really interesting time it feels a bit like we're at a, a crossroads and down one path is like a much more healthy sustainable artistically rich version of hollywood where yeah the writers responsible for these great stories that we watch and we love, those people are kind of looked after and remunerated and invested in properly. Down the other path, it's just AI, AI writing scripts. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a dark, robots. dark little uh, Terminator timeline we're staring at. Oh my God, I'm so not going to watch anything they make. <laughs> well, you crap. wouldn't know because you'll it'll have, it'll have an AI-generated name. How do you... How do you know what Smith is going to be? No, we have to boycott. Also, like our state of our industry is pretty dire in, in on these sides. So hopefully, once that, what do you think about that, Al? I think that we need, cause like you said, like to get into writing, you had to make a podcast to do this like incredibly yeah. exciting yeah. entrepreneurial thing just to do what you love to do and are really probably really really good at, right? But it's just mad to get your foot in the door. It is. Yeah. I mean, one of the mad things about this entire kind of moment is a lot of the things my US counterparts are kind of saying, you know, if we don't strike, if we don't fight now, we're going to end up with this, this, this mm. kind of thinking that is the UK model. That's quite Wait, scary. That, like, that'd we be don't a great have package a right for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's been quite eye opening. And um, yeah, there's, I mean, I could spend the entire runtime of this podcast rabbiting on about it. Well, I, well, we should move on, but I'm happy to chat about this. It's, it's fascinating. And I know I was going to talk about gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a moment for you to talk about it. When the, like, well, when the writer's trying to happen last time in, in 2008, they brought back a lot of reality kind of just game shows and gladiators was one of them. And then the UK was like, yeah, let's do gladiators again. So inversely, I went on the TV show gladiators because the writer's strike happened in the States, but also it ruined a lot of excellent TV shows, which I was watching at the time, which is the smallest part of it. But <laughs> the point I'm getting at is the, at the time there was that existential threat of what happens with DVD sales and, and the back ends there. And it's resolved that. And then it becomes streaming and then AI and hopefully it gets resolved and they look further, they consider technology that, that people can't conceive now. So you don't have to go through this rigmarole every 10, 15 years to kind of get people a fair deal for the work that they're putting in. Yeah, it's pretty mad. It's a uh, yeah, strange old time. This feels kind of the same, but different and maybe more drastic than 2007, which I can only vaguely remember, you know, I was not in the industry at the time, obviously. So uh yeah, it's an interesting time. Let's let's put it that way. And on that bright note, so, no, yeah, I was going to say, Sadia, who are you? 
I'm a comedian, so I don't know what workers' rights even means. Like, we just do whatever we have to do to do what we have to do. So, yeah, alongside that, I also do screenwriting, but I haven't sold anything as yet. I managed to publish my first book. This is a postcard, by the way, but like um, called <laughs> Sex Bomb. And it's out in paperback on the 1st of June, which is very exciting. And also get the privilege of doing a lot of free work to publicize them. <laughs> but, you know, it's <laughs> lovely to have written a book and loads of other things like I've done a podcast for BBC Sounds and presenting here and there and stuff like that. Yeah we've had a few book writers people written books and it's it's kind of inspiring me and Helen not, haven't written any books well I, I'm telling you my written book. I haven't, I haven't written a book it's in, inspiring to see but like no one wants to read a book that I would write. Oh don't say that. <laughs> yeah come on Helen. Never say never. I'm not writing a book. You could. You could write a book about your experience on Gladiators. Yeah, I, I mean, I was on Gladiators, got a red hand, and sometimes I sing along to the Nick Cave song, Red Right Hand with it. So that, <laughs> that's it. So Sadie, your book's out now yes. in paperback. Yes. So we can people buy it in all the places. There's the obvious one, but where else can they buy it if they want to walk in and, and buy off the... Listen, they could DM me on Instagram. I'll send them a signed copy. No, that's too desperate, right? Um, no, just everywhere. <laughs> it's online. Blackwell's is pretty cheap. They have nice discounts. Waterstones, they have student discount. Amazon, wherever you want, wherever you like to buy your books. It's also on Audible if you prefer to listen, but too many and people are listening to books. I read it, actually. I was really fantastic excited that they let me, but <laughs> yeah, that was cool. But yeah, I prefer you to buy the book. Don't listen to audiobooks. Come on. Audible is so rich, by the way. Anyway, yeah, that's a yeah. different tangent altogether. <laughs> well, here talking about films, let's go on to, the, on to the main topic of this podcast. Films on Netflix as chosen this time by you, Sadia. What have you chosen and why? And then I'll give you 60 seconds or less to give us the synopsis. Okay. So basically, I've chosen The Fighter. The Fighter is one of my best ever movies in life. I was going through this period where I like to select movies based on actors. I was going through Mark Wahlberg's and it just was so emotional and such a beautiful, it's based on a true story and it's really like compelling and it's just such a great narration of life and how it's always, you want something but the journey along the way to get it and how there's like obstacles in the way and so much about the human spirit, about not being knocked down by the obstacles and persevering. Well, give us a synopsis. Oh, okay. So basically... <laughs> Time starts now. Wahlberg, he plays this real life budding boxer. He basically tries to compete when he doesn't know too much about the industry. He's like put in this really awful situation with someone who's a different size to him, which matters a lot. Anyway, he breaks his arm later on. His brother's a cokehead. His brother ends up going to jail. So much things happen to that family. And then he just continues to persevere. And then he ends up doing this big fight against this big guy. I can't remember the name. I'm so sorry. And he wins. <laughs> well, you got, you had three seconds left. I would, that was so shit, by the way. I'm so, please don't use that. But if you have to, you I'm can. Afraid, I'm afraid we have to, yeah. Oh, fuck. I loved it. <laughs> so why is it one of your favourite films? Listen, I don't like to admit this a lot, but I did cry. 
That's all right to cry, isn't it? When Bale, basically there's a scene where he's doing this like really important match at the end. And then he's taking a fucking beating. Like he is getting beat, beat, beat. It doesn't look like it's going his way. And then Bale says, don't take no abuse. And it turns it around. And it's so nice because they had this like relationship where it felt like Bale was letting him down. It was like he came through for him when he really needed it. So obviously like... I just feel like it's really like tells you a lot about life where you do sometimes you're a bit of an underdog or you take a lot of hits and that you you kind of your heart still beats and you keep coming back and you kind of push back and like about inner strength and spirit. It was just so emotional. And the fact that afterwards, because I didn't even know it was based on a true story, but at the end you see the real brothers that it's a really well adapted with their characters. Bell's like completely brilliant as well, obviously with his method acting and he plays a crackhead. So if for nothing else, just watch that. But yeah, it's emotional and it's so compelling and beautiful and it just gives you hope. Like even though like you cry, it's just, it's a happy movie. Are you there? Where do you guys, where do you sit on David O. Russell's other films? Because he had a bit, was was this in the middle of a streak of his? He had like three films in a row which kind of popped I think people have different opinions as to how often pops, but... What were the other ones? I didn't look it up by director, but like, I probably love all of them. This saved him after a string of duds. Oh, okay. So I Heart Huckabees did not go great for him. And there was another film that I can't remember the name of. And this, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> for the sake of this podcast, I'm putting aside that David O. Russell is a massively problematic person and has a history of abuse on set and assaulting his niece that I was not aware of when this film came out. So I'm, I'm just mm. going to put that to the side. But That's come to light kind of... recently, isn't it? So is he doing really well? Because they don't ever end up getting any, like, there's nothing ever, ever, ever has him. So is he really, like, doing really well? Or <laughs> what happened? Well, his last film didn't do so well. So I think maybe people are maybe not wanting to see his film. But this film kind of set him off into the award nomination kind of journey, which he seemed to be nominated for everything after. So this, the, um, the streak of films here, they went on as The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, which we've recorded here as well before, but on the previous episode, and American Hustle were the main three, and then Joy was there. And I think they all had <laughs> someone we're going to talk about in a different episode. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like Christian Bale is a reoccurring character, and Jennifer Lawrence is a reoccurring yeah. character in, and Mark Wahlberg as well was also in Three Kings with David O. Russell. So, I mean, he kind of goes up and down, up and down. But I mean, also Mark Wahlberg has an extremely problematic person as well. So I'm just going to put those things. Can you tell me about that? Because I didn't know that. I already done watched all his <laughs> movies. What? <laughs> He's a bit racist. He said some very problematic things. No. Oh my god. Please tell me you're joking. What happened? Oh my god. Where do you get your info, by the way? Because I need to know. <laughs> it's just on the internet. So I'm for the sake of this podcast. But is it? Uh, what? Okay, this is going to sound so bad. I don't even know we can talk about this. But uh, what racism are we talking? I need fact. You can't just throw that in. I mean, it's all on the internet. I think we might have to do a bit of a Googling session after this recording. <laughs> Why don't trust my own Googles? That. Helen, can we talk about this later? Because I need a, <laughs> I, can, can you give me a little bit of it and then we'll just go back to the movie? I mean, I don't really want to. I don't really want to repeat these things because 
But he did a movie with Denzel. I need to know. That doesn't mean anything in Hollywood. It's a very dark and murky world, I think. And I've said that I'm going to put these aside because it infuriates me that this is such a good film because it's also also distributed by Miramax and Harvey Weinstein's involved in it. So that when the credits come up, I went, oh, fuck, I remember how problematic these people are now. And it's so annoying because I think it's a really, really great film. And I think Christian Bale is amazing in it. He's so good in it. You find yourself Googling, did Christian Bale smoke crack to prepare for the fighter? He's that good in it. So <laughs> I didn't find myself Googling, but did, that, that sounds... That should that's... be the review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many questions. With Warburg, I think he trained... I don't remember if it's this movie, but I think he trained for like 18 months to be in this shape or something like this because his body was... Woo! Sorry. But Isn't that Warburg from like the get-go, Marky Mark? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The four a.m. So I wake up <laughs> at four a.m. and yeah. I'm in bed by eight p.m. What racists do that? Come on, that ain't a racist lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you sit on? Well, anything we've crack. talked Where do you about. Sit on crack, Al. Al. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Al's hot crack take coming right up. <laughs> yeah, so. In- The Fighter, actually, I hadn't actually seen it prior to getting the lovely invite to come on the show. Oh, really? And yeah, I I sort of, my my first exposure to David O. Russell was a couple of years ago. I I saw American Hustle at the cinema and just, you know, sometimes you're in a movie and you're just like, I know this is coming to an end. It's got all the sort of like signposts of being in the third act right now, but I could easily watch another hour of this. Wow. That film and then some other movies he's worked on. They do tend to kind of utilize this star power. He gets these big casts together full of like just great actors. And American Hustle really spoke to that. I just had such a good time in the cinema watching that one. And then I kind of went and explored a bunch of his other work. And actually, I can tell you exactly why I didn't watch this one. I used to work at Blockbuster Video and this film came out when I was working at Blockbuster. And I remember there's just a weird PTSD I have with some film posters and some like covers. Sure. So this is one of them where just like seeing the cover to the fighter just takes me back to being in Blockbuster and wearing that lovely, very fetching blue uniform. Is the cover the one where they're hanging on the ropes? Is it that one? Or is it a different cover? Yeah, that was yeah. the one. Yeah, it's not yeah. a great cover it's, either. Well, it's, it's definitely not a great cover. And it's interesting. I think the marketing of this movie sort of had sold it much more as a sports film than it is. Like the boxing in this, it's not Creed, right? It's not like a movie where, you know... Rocky. It's Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not like the, the sort of boxing is not an afterthought, but it's kind of sprinkled in there and it's not like, it doesn't have the counterbalance that the Rocky franchise, for example, has in terms of... It's the personality of the boxer. I can't remember his name, but like, you know, his demise, like he's... Yeah. Dickie Eklund. Yes, exactly. His, his relationship mm. with boxing in a way and his family. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I think I had just sort of like, I'd swerved it for that reason. So it was really interesting watching it. I'm kind of glad that I did watch it afresh in 2023 because it seems like such a relic of a different time now because like well for a start you've got films like this just don't really get made anymore i mean david russell had a film out last year called amsterdam so you know some films like this do get made but these kind of but these stories that are independent of a wider franchise a wider story around them they're fewer and fewer sort of director driven projects like this was and also another thing that kind of like leapt out of me that was kind of a little bit dispiriting is like it's so much fun seeing how much fun Bale is having in this movie because at this point in his career, he's in full Batman mode 
And it must have been so fun for him to like leave the kind of cape and cowl to one side and just play an insane person who, you know, a boxer who's maybe gone one too many rounds. What's interesting is like now the way that kind of superhero filmmaking has kind of evolved since then is like the way that he had, he did a Batman film every two or three years. So there was space in his schedule to do a film like The Fighter. Now, like these Marvel and DC movies, they're just like, bam, 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 bam. They're one a year basically. And they don't, you don't have the room in your schedule to do these other projects seemingly, which is why Bale could do something like this. But we haven't really had many non-Marvel Robert Downey Jr. projects. We haven't really had many non-Marvel Scully Johansson films in the time that those two actors have been in that world. So yeah, it was just... We've lost a lot of actors to Marvel. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo used to do great films and he doesn't do films. And... He used to do great films, no, no, no more. I mean, he has done a bit, but like, yeah, we, I just feel that we've lost so many potentially great actors who would have been able to give the weight to getting some of those smaller character-driven films made. Do you mean lost to death or lost to what? Just lost to cinema in that they're kind of like contracted to do Marvel films back to back. It doesn't give any space for them then to work on smaller films or they might come across a script that that is really interesting but potentially might not be a bigger moneymaker but there's a director attached that they like. There's no space for them to do that as much as there maybe was 10, 15 years ago. Now he dropped a lot of weight. It's because he smoked all that crack. Just said on, on the flip side, you have well, two things going to what Sadie said. The kind of thing that pulled me into this film was like, or the, the marketing for this film was all about, oh my God, he's done it again. He's lost all the weight since Batman and he lost all the weight from the machine. So a lot of the marketing spiel was like, you, you'll never believe what Christian Bale looks like. And it's like, well, it's not as thin as the machinist, but it's still definitely not not Bruce Wayne large. But to get to go to Helen's point on the Marvel just soaking up a lot of, of actors. On the flip side, you do have Christian Bale in one film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and never come back again. You'll have like, so we have people like Matt Mickelson appearing in one film. So they have really good, amazing actors who appear just as the villain for one film. And it kind of feels like it's almost like a wasted opportunity because you feel that they could do so much more than that one film. But at the same time, as Helen was saying, if, if you're tied into the Marvel will house and to the Marvel system, then you have to be cooked in for basically 10, 15 years of your life. And that for people who want to do more interesting projects, that's a difficult thing. Now, if you want to see someone jump out of a window, I highly recommend the movie. It's like just show <laughs> stopping. Well, there you go. Exactly. Apparently, the real Dicky didn't like that scene because apparently the window that he jumped out of was much higher and there wasn't a skip to fall into. So <laughs> that's such a thing that he would say. I love it so much because the thing is, I'm not being funny, right? Let's just be real. You don't normally like have empathy for a crackhead. And I really, I just couldn't not love him. And I didn't want to because he was hurting the family sometimes or, you know, letting them down, whatever not. But he's just, there was a real just earnestness about him that you don't see or associate with people who are heavily using. <laughs> you tend, yeah, they tend to be depicted as like the evil people, but he, obviously his heart was there, but it, it might, his body was been taken and consumed by the crack and the people he was hanging out with. And when he's in that crack house, it seemed like he's having a lot of fun. <laughs> but typically... <laughs> Like, I've missed out a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to me, the depictions are like of the worst of people like in lots of squalor. But he just seems to be the, you know, the house is bright and breezy. There's lots of sunshine pouring in. There seems to be like dancing around and 
doing not bad things that I would have done with my mates when I was at university kind of thing. So it, it seemed to paint not that bad a picture. Kids don't do crack. It's really bad. It might look like <laughs> fun in this film. I feel like there's political reasons you shouldn't do crack. The, the whole enjoyment of it must be great, but it's bigger reasons. Stand yeah. up to power. Don't do it. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So this is the third David O. Russell film we've had. First being Three Kings, the second Silver Lines Playbook, and now this. To go throw it over to you, Helen, first, David O. Russell. I know you loved Three Kings, at least before you found out about David Russell. I know you were kind of me- mediocre on Silver Linings, and you love this one. Where are you on the other ones? Joy and American Hustle, which Al was consumed by. I didn't like American Hustle. I didn't think it lived up to the hype. It was a bit old. Mm wigs and and clothes i didn't see joy so my interest has kind of been wavering and i'm going to make the decision not to watch amsterdam but i do genuinely think this is a really good film and it really pains me to say that but yeah i think it's good and we haven't mentioned it yet but amy adams is brilliant in this like i love her so much i think she's great and melissa leo as well she won the oscar bale won the oscar who who plays the mum melissa leo she plays Dickie Eklund's mum. Alice? The mother oh, who's, a, who's okay, the manager. Okay, sorry, I was thinking, I was trying to think. Okay, thank you. So, you know, the, the acting is, is up there. It's great. It's got some twists and turns. There's some fights that don't go well. There's some good fights. And there's some slight way. You're like, how can he really be stand, being punched in the face this much and, and still stand up? So there's a bit of tension in there. Yeah. And his body is banging like please i'm sorry let's not underestimate the work the motherfucker put into his body are you new to marky mark i don't understand i I, I, I really didn't have time for him when he was in the band whatever that band was i didn't have no time when he was marky mark but i feel like his reinvention i feel like it showed a lot in terms of like him applying himself and his serious take on acting. I think he's very I don't know, I didn't know the racist shit. But his body in the movie was banging. I'm very single. I told you I was going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to watch any more David Russell films? Go back in his back catalogue. I quite liked I Heart Huckabees. I've only seen it once. Oh, right. Okay, now I've not even heard of that one. So it's got quite a big, large back catalogue than I thought. But before we go into the scores, actually, sorry, I do want to talk about the rest of the female characters. So you did talk about Amy Adams and Mr. Leo. I remember the first, this is the second time I watched it. The first time I remember being in absolute hysterics about the the five sisters, is it? <laughs> there, like, they they just, were not happy with their representation. They kind of move as a monolith, don't they, all together? Yeah, yeah. I just don't know how it seemed like. Also, I love the Boston accent. Every time I see hear a Boston accent, I think it's my favourite accent in film and TV. Have you got one in the locker? Can you do it? Well, it's like, it's, it's probably something not in film affairs. The, the Departed. No, I haven't got it. I haven't got it. Can I also say it. how much I'm I hate the out. party? Is that okay? I don't know if I'm allowed to throw that in. You can, you can do. You can throw a, a new film in there. Honestly, can't stand that movie at all. But anyway, sorry. It's very popular amongst men. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I honestly was so vexed. Look at the, the light has just gone in my room as well. <laughs> as soon as you talked about the departed. It's what happens when you cast shade on Martin Scorsese. Yeah, it was just, I wanted to kill myself. That's how bad that movie was. I just wanted to die. 
I can't believe I even watched through all of it. What what was I thinking? I would never do that again. I just thought something was going to get better and it just never did. This might be what Helen was thinking about with American Hustle. Because I didn't get that. I liked Sublinings and I liked this one. And I went into American Hustle thinking, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And it just didn't hit for me. But a lot of people loved it. And that's absolutely perfect. And I was one of them, I guess. I was indeed. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I secretly long to wear those wigs and costumes that yeah. Helen found. Bradley Cooper not great. Her. What would yeah. you compare it to? Was it like Ocean's Eleven or something? Like, What would you compare American Hustle to if you had to compare it to something? Oh God, you know, it's been been so long since I've been back to it. Like, I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in the cinema. And yeah, it's a period piece, I remember. I mean, oh, maybe okay. one of you guys have seen it since. I think it's sort of 70s is kind of set, or certainly that's the fashion. It's like one of the main gags is around the microwave oven being invented and people learning how to use that. It was a, it was a kind of small running gags. <laughs> Ryan Gosling did a period piece. Do you remember what that was called? I can't remember. That was also on Netflix. I can't believe I never recommended that because he is fit. Anyway. It was really is it good. The nice guys. He was a is detective. It nice? Yeah, was it? He had a yeah. cap. We've done that. Yeah. Was it the nice guys? Maybe it I was called so. the nice yeah, guys, yeah. but he is certainly the nice guy. And him and Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, we, we've done the nice guys. I don't think it was Russell Crowe. No, no, no. It wasn't the nice guys. There's another one where he's like a detective. He's got a hat. It's got the redhead in it from not Amy Adams. The other one that he does a lot of movies with. Emma Stone. That's the one. Yeah, she's in it with him. I should know my stuff. But it was a really good movie, actually. It really caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to feel very one way or another. It wasn't as good as a fighter, but it was like, it very much was, held me, held my attention. Gangster Squad. Yes! Gangster Squad. That, was, that wasn't that I highly recommend it, guys. Did you watch it? When it came out, like it? probably. It's a long, my brain's seen so many films by then. That Can we do a podcast out? about Ryan Gosling? <laughs> I mean, you could do. Absolutely. He's done enough films. I saw a an Instagram reel with him when he's in the Disney club, like dancing away. And I was like, he's got some moves. He had some moves. Kids got moves, yeah. Born a star. His wife is, is hot as well, isn't it? Eva Longoria, man. Mm-mm-mm. Eva Mendes. Oh, is it? Eva Longoria. Not even from, Longoria. Uh, She's a yeah. desperate housewife, isn't she? Sorry. Yeah. It's one of the Evas. <laughs> one of the Evas. All the Evas. It's too many Evas. Is it too many Evas? Probably not. Yeah, Gangster Squad. I, 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 just, I thought it had potential. I had, had a, like a star-studded cast and it just wasn't that, was it? Just wasn't interesting ultimately, which is a shame. Is there anything guys want to say before we head to the scores? Crack. <laughs> <laughs> crack made the movie, what it? Well, no, it wasn't about crack. I mean, if we're talking crack, yeah, I definitely want to see that documentary. It looks... Really interesting. Oh, yeah, I'd watch that. I want to watch it with the guys. I want them to be in the room. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow stripped media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Sadio, with your recommendability. Five. 
Boom. Any comments to that? Just straight out of the gate five. I just think that it should be mandatory watching for everybody. Like somehow you should just get everybody. People have to. How would you mandate that? I will mandate it. I will figure it out. Can someone let me do that? Because trust me, I just I can't advocate for this movie high enough. Like I feel like if you're down, it'll give you hope. And if you're up, it'll keep you up. I just, I think it's so brilliant. Didn't make me smoke crack. Fair enough. Al, first time watching it. Interesting. Yeah, I'll give us a four. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I will pay you later, Al. Sorry, that wasn't a very elaborate. <laughs> what were you thinking before coming into it? Were you thinking... It's going to be more a sports film and having seen all the creeds and stuff. Yeah, I sort of was vaguely aware that there was kind of like a pretty good consensus on this film as, as being one of his stronger ones. So yeah, I pretty much knew I'd enjoy Christian Bale's performance because it's pretty <laughs> rare that I don't. And sure enough, like one thing I will say, you know, you're watching a good actor when you're like, you know how sometimes you're like, he's acting with his eyes and all that kind of thing. Christian Bale acts with his teeth in this movie. And I can't explain what that means, but I swear he just does things with his mouth. That's just like, that's not how he normally uses his mouth and his teeth. And yeah, he, so I knew I'd enjoy that. And uh, sure enough. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Cause there was there's some scenes of like play acting boxing and he was like properly goofing around a bit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. How is he? I was like, this doesn't seem like the guy we understand to be Christian Bale. Obviously he's acting, but it's like, this doesn't seem like the, it seems he comes across as moody and annoyed generally. I would have liked to see him play Batman as this personality. That would have, I would have been down for that. I agree with you. I think Batman would be way more interesting as a motherfucking crackhead. <laughs> as a aside, what's your favorite Christian Bell movie? If you don't mind me going off on a different tangent. Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan ones, aren't they? It's the, the Batman. I thought that yeah. American Psycho is funny though. I was going to say American Psycho. Probably yeah. yeah, it was such a good movie. It was so good. Another film we've had on there, guys, American Psycho. Yep. Prestige is one of one of my like soft spots. I I really love love him in that. I was going to say that. But yeah, American Psycho. I really love him in Empire of the Sun. I think he's great in that. Um, I still haven't seen that, you know. Yeah, I do like him. And yeah, I, th I thought he was the best thing in Thor, Love and Thunder by a million miles as well. If he wasn't in that, I just would have lost the world to live, out. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in a film called The Public Enemies, which is when you said Gangster Squad. There's a similar kind of film about the setup of, of the FBI and following John Dillinger and stuff like that. And it's a similar kind of vibe to Gangster Squad and the house got Christian Bale in it and Johnny Depp. And that's no good. Both of these films, Gangster Squad and Public Enemies, just stay away. Helen, recommendability. Yeah, so like... When I think of this film, I also think of like The Wrestler and Warrior, which all came out similarly within like a few years between each other. And they're all about fighting, wrestling, punching faces, families. <laughs> so like, I think they would make kind of a nice kind of triple bill if you're into watching that kind of thing. So I That's definitely Prince Charles triple bill, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The fight, fight, fight. Yeah, if you've seen like name. two of those and you haven't seen this, then watch that. And if you like one of them, then watch the other two. I think they work for that kind of audience. I don't think it's as sports filmy. I think it's more of a kind of family drama type film. But yeah, I mean, Netflix said it was an 88% chance I'd like this. I'd probably think a little bit higher than that. So yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.5 for recommendability. Is this the first time you've seen it? No. But it's the first time I watched it on Netflix. Okay. So you're going 4.5. I really enjoyed this rewatch. I'm going for 4.2. I forgot how funny it was. And I forgot about the, the crack line, the crack storyline, which kind of like, holy shit, I forgot this is, goes into quite dark places. So it was, it was really 
good revisiting it again. And I'd recommend other people to do so. And I think it is probably my favourite David Russell film. I don't think, apart from the ones we've seen for Flix Watcher, I don't think I've revisited them more than the first time I watched them on DVD or in the cinema that one time. I don't know, maybe there's something about his films that don't inspire that, but we can talk about it in the repeat viewing score. So 4.2. Sadia, repeat viewing score. Five. <laughs> can we say just, 10, by the way? No. Okay, 5.1. <laughs> I just feel like it's a feel-good movie unexpectedly because I'm not really a massive fan of a feel-good movie, but this makes you feel good without being a feel-good movie. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it's just, I think it will just get you through a hard time if you need a movie to do that. Otherwise, it's just great entertainment and watching as well. So I could definitely watch this over and over. I have watched it many times, actually. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about, what? how many times do you think you watched it? Did you watch it at the cinema when it first came out? No, that's the funny thing. I was going through Netflix, actually, and just trying to, like, I, I don't know, there'd been a few Mark Wahlberg movies that I was watching. So I didn't even watch it intentionally, but I was just so, like, struck by the brilliance of the acting and the story. And, yeah, I revisited it a few times because I think the first time I was just, like, shocked. And then it's <laughs> so you wanted to watch it again and, like, you get different things from different watches, views. Yep. Al, repeat viewing score. First time watching, will you watch again? How many more times will you watch it? I probably wouldn't give it that higher repeatability score, in part because, yeah, the director, is, as discussed, has had his fair share of issues, and there's probably some other filmmakers who haven't been <laughs> quite, so, <laughs> quite so problematic who I'd prioritise watching a film by instead. But also just generally, I think this is a story that's quite well contained, and it's like, you know, it starts and it ends and there's not much in the way of hidden meanings or, you know, sort of little Easter eggs that I think you kind of relish finding on those second and third watches sometimes. So uh, yeah, probably a two for me. Like I really enjoyed it, but in no hurry to kind of get back to it. Helen? Yeah, I think I've, I only saw this at the cinema when it came out, 2010. I'm not sure. I don't know. So I was looking forward to revisiting it and just really enjoyed Christian Bale's performance but <laughs> yeah I don't know whether I'm going to watch it again so a 3.5 oh yeah so it's 2013 came out so it's been 10 years since I watched it last I don't think I watched it that frequently but I think it's kind of a nice kind of cadence there to revisit it I've not watched Joy even though it's about a mop isn't it yeah it's about a mop and I've, I've spoken Sorry, to a lady it's about a mop it's about a lady who invented the wonder mop called Joy Man, Man, some, some, something. Mangano, I think it is. And I've actually met her for a podcast as well. So I wow. should have like, watched the film at the same time, but I just wasn't, it just didn't seem like an interesting concept to me. So I probably should watch that. But I think I definitely want to watch the documentary for this, the documentary that was being filmed by HBO and see what that was like and compare and contrast and also do a bit of IMDBing, I think, before watching this again. I don't know how real. I want to know where they got a crack from. The prop department, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 3.2. Small screen score. Sadia. I would say five. Not because it's a running theme, but basically, <laughs> I don't know what view, I don't mind what view I'm going to be watching a man jump out of a window. That, that just made the movie for me. But anyway, now I'm being silly. I feel like it would probably look wonderful in a cinema, but as I say, I discovered it on Netflix and it really 
captured everything I needed it to. So I didn't feel that it detracted from the experience in any way, because as Helen says, it's like quite a family drama aspect to it. So I don't really think you need a big screen for that necessarily. Although some of the fighting things may look a bit more enhanced in a bigger screen, but it was, it did the trick. And if it is on a tablet and stuff like that, then it means you can watch it when you're out and about. And I don't think you'll take your eyes off of it. I don't think it's one of the movies that I would like pause. Although, on a rewatch, I think I did like pause and come back to it, but it just depends on like different aspects of it that you, you're savoring sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, you're not missing a huge amount. In t- I mean, it's like well shot, but the the shooting style's kind of like subdued. An extension of yeah, it's it's kind of an extension of the world of the character, and yeah, so there's a bit of grit to it. There's not not much in the way of decoration to it, I suppose. So. Yeah, you're not missing much if you watch it on a smaller phone. It's this sort of quality of the storytelling that carries it rather than any spectacles. Yeah, I'd watch this on a phone, maybe. Definitely a tablet. Why not? So is that five? I give it a four. I don't just dish out fives willy-nilly, you know. I'm These very... film critics, they're so hard work. <laughs> I know. Helen? I've seen it on the big screen and I've now seen it on the small screen. And to be honest, it kind of has that little bit of a film made for tv vibe to it maybe in the style that it's shot and with obviously the hbo crew following them around so i think it's fine to watch it at home so far yeah i'm gonna have five as well again like helen i watched on the, uh, the cinema and i can't see the benefits much of doing so so has goes for this and it was shot by hoyt van hoytema who now works a lot with christopher nolan and he's shot some amazingly like beautiful films he shot tenet Dunkirk, Interstellar, for example. So he does some really big, bombastic kind of films. What's not to say? I hated Interstellar so much, by the way. Just, <laughs> I, just I have to share that. Sorry. It's just, I love Conaghy, but that movie was just shit. Sorry. Well, you have, that's your just like your opinion. That's why man. I can't be a critic because you can't say that, can you, Al? Really, you can't just be like that's shit. I, it wasn't shit, shit. Well, you can, but you wouldn't work that much. I just didn't like it. It was, I think, whatever that genre is, it's not for me. Yeah, so I just thought it's quite. It's, that's one of his earlier films I would have recognised, and he's gone on to do very different kind of bigger scale films, which I thought was quite interesting. But yeah, I don't think it needs to be really seen on the big screen again, unless it was Prince Charles Cinema and part of a. The Warrior, The Fighter, The Wrestler trilogy. That could be quite interesting. Engagement score, Sadia. Five. <laughs> um, do I have to say something? Yeah, I just well, think I mean, it give was... some... <laughs> I think it was... I mean, the thing is, like you said, the whole crew, you've got the men and the women, they're just all just heavyweight acting. They're, they completely grip you from the first time you see them and you really invest in them and their journeys you care for them in such a short short space of time as well like I don't even know Amy Adams but I really really like don't like the way those sisters are treating her and I'm on her side (laughs) I thought she gave I thought she fought as hard as she she did but I'd be I'd be scared of my wits end if I went to like my now wife's family and there's five brothers there I wouldn't be talking back to them, telling mum and dad to shut up. She was, she was, I, I could only call her spunky and I love spunky, but she was very cool for days. And like to have a female character that's so three-dimensional is really refreshing. But yeah, she's got it all. Yeah, you really care about the characters. It's got so much different elements. It's funny elements. It's got tragic elements or, you know, all of those things. So I was super engaged. Oh, engagement score. Yeah, I was pretty pulled in by this. Yeah, I was there like a steady four all the way through. 
Awesome. Helen? Yeah, I'm in the full club for this. I don't think that there's massive things that you need you need to keep your eye on and it, it kind of sips along nicely for its two-hour runtime. So, yeah, four. Yeah, let's join the four club. Just join the four party. It was good fun. I think benefited from not having seen it for like 10 years. But yeah, it came through. I couldn't really remember what happened. I couldn't remember who was gonna, if he was going to win the final fight or not. <gasps> oh so God. there we go. That gives us an overall score of 4.21250, which is higher than I thought it was going to be. But it's very good. It's decent. Well done, Sadia, for, for that pick. Not that you get a prize for the highest score in films. I didn't make the movies, you know. <laughs> I just want to... Make it clear, I did not make, I am not Dave Russell. <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> but I did write a book. So tell us about your book. Sign up by telling everyone where they can find your book, buy your book, and Al for yourself, your podcast, your writings, and hopefully where your TV and film musings might appear. Was it called Sex Bomb, the book's idea? Yeah, it's a memoir. So actually all of the chapters are named after a movie. And unfortunately, I haven't named one after the fighter. So I might have to do that in the next book. But I do put the chapters yeah by movie titles just because i don't know i really love movies and they fit the themes i was talking about you can find me on instagram on instagram i'm at sadia underscore asmats and please support my book it's really like a good read it's a great gift for somebody it's out in paperback and it's coming out in america as well 29th of august i'm gonna go there and hopefully we'll do well there too awesome out who are you I'm on Script Apart if you want to find the podcast on all your usual social media. If you want to get hold of me, I'm Al underscore Horner on Twitter. Yeah, and Script Apart is coming back with its fourth season very soon. Probably by the time this episode comes out, there'll be an episode or two up, depending on the writer's strike. If you've not heard it, don't wait for the fourth season. Just get in there, guys. Just type Script Apart. And yeah, have some fun with it. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Sarah, for bringing the fight to us. And thank you very much for listening to everyone who's listened. We'll see you for the next episode. Goodbye. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix Watcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.